Hello, and welcome to Daily Affirmations from C.S. Lewis, a new segment on Inkling's Variety Hour where we bask in the folksy, feel-good proverbs authored by our favorite Oxford Don and writer of popular apologetics. Today's affirmation is, We meet no ordinary people in our lives. If you give them a chance, everyone you meet has something amazing to offer. To me, this quote about uniqueness just highlights the truly unique genius of C.S. Uh, Lewis. Chris, um, uh, if I may, uh, C.S. Lewis never said that. He said something like it, but the second sentence in the quote about everyone having something amazing to offer is not Lewis at all. What? Well, if not Lewis, who, who else could possibly have come up with such a profound proverb of perspicuous perception. Well, we have a probable source, actually credited to someone well-known, Ryan Seacrest. And this is American Idol. But we, you know, the jury's still out if, if he actually said what you just shared. Uh, Lewis did say something similar, if I can, can briefly share. He said the following, there are no ordinary people. You have never talked to a mere mortal. Nations, cultures, arts, civilizations, they are mortal, and their life is to ours as the life of a gnat. But it is the mortals whom we joke with, work with, marry, snub, and exploit. Immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. But the internet told me the first quote was by C.S. Lewis. Well, yeah, the internet does that a lot. Oh, yeah? Well, who are you, sir, to correct my insipid mistaken quote citations of C.S. Lewis? My name is William O'Flaherty. Not William O'Flaherty, the author of the misquotable C.S. Lewis and the host of All About Jack C.S. Lewis podcast. The very same. Uh, please stand by, listeners. Hello, and welcome to Daily Affirmation. Hello. 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 I was pointing out last time that the Christian life is simply a process of having your natural self changed into a Christ self. Welcome back, everyone. Today, I am pleased to welcome William O'Flaherty to our show. William is the author of the misquotable C.S. Lewis, What He Said, What He Didn't Say, and Why It Matters, which we will be talking about today. He's also the host of the All About Jack podcast, which you should all subscribe to, and creator of the Essential C.S. Lewis website. Also, he's the author of another book, C.S. Lewis Goes to Hell, which is about screw tape. I will link to these as well as to his YouTube channel, uh, Knowing and Understanding C.S. Lewis. William's also a professional counselor who specializes in working with families. William O'Flaherty, thank you so much for joining us and agreeing to talk about the misquotable C.S. Lewis. How's it going? Oh, well, thank you for having me on the show, Chris. It's going uh, quite well. I'm looking forward to uh, talking with your listeners about this very important subject. Me too. Me too. What made you decide to write this book? Well, when I started working on my book, which it came out in uh, 2018, uh, four years ago for the year, from the year that we're um, 
uh, recording here. It, it probably wasn't much different per se, but now it seems like the need is greater. That is about 10 years ago when I noticed and others pointed out to me that are scholars uh, better than me, they noticed various quotations cited to Lewis that he didn't write. Now, as I began to collect them and research quotations that were questions, I found there were enough to fill a small book. But now, currently, in addition to almost finding as many additional quotations that are questionable, the need for this book is uh, even greater because um, I will often see more quotes uh, with Lewis's name on it that he didn't write than ones that he did with the memes, you know, on this on social media. That's why, in fact, uh, we'll note about it later here that I even created a uh, resource on my YouTube channel called Weekly Dose of C.S. Lewis Quotes. You know, 365 solid confirmed quotes by Lewis that people should uh, be more familiar with and uh, share without fear of it not being by Lewis. Yeah, I've listened to some of those. It's, it's a really great resource, and I appreciate your selecting them from Lewis's actual work. So you mentioned that this is kind of growing, right? That this that this tendency, as, as things tend to do on the internet, right? Podcasts proliferate for sure, you know, so do misquotations of, of authorities. Is it possible that you'll do another edition of this book, or do you find that the format of like a website or a fact-checked site or something like that is, is more adaptable to, to this ever-expanding problem? Great question. Well, you know, it all depends on what uh, the consumers say per se in uh, one ex extent. You know, being a, a niche-type book, it hasn't really sold that much, so getting a publisher to kind of do a revised edition may take a while depending on different things. So while online, I don't cover everything that is eventually in the book. And I even revised things when the book came out from the resources that are online. If there is a demand, then, um, then we'll, we'll do it. Why do you think that C.S. Lewis is particularly someone that quotes get misattributed to all the time? This type of question reminds me of the obvious fact that uh, I'm sure people are, are aware that there are you know, other people that are falsely quoted. In fact, there actually are several other books dealing with the, the topic. And one of the reasons why Lewis and other famous people have their names attached to various expressions is because that they are famous or well-known. And we tend to pay attention to what well-known people have said or allegedly said. And also in the old days when people read books, you know, that was what uh, many, many eons ago, right? <laughs> Uh, they would, you know, see uh, something quoted in a book. And then in the back of the book, it would be, you know, end noted. And so uh, sometimes things got misquoted because um, people looked at the quote and then they looked at the back of the book and they looked at the, the one above or below. And then they remembered that, or if people, you know, read, you know, several books at the same time, whatever they think they, that was in, in that book, something by Lewis when it was in a book and another one. And there's many, many other ones. Um, I can talk later about or mention briefly about some other titles, but we're focusing on Lewis, so uh, people may not be as interested, but uh, just be aware that there are um, several other th resources out there that deal with uh, misquotes. Yeah, and I definitely want to get to the just kind of human tendency later on to want to thumbtack new quotes that they find to well-known authority figures already and give them that extra bit of ethos by doing that, because I, I think that's something that's it's very human to do, and the internet seems to really exploit that tendency that we have to do that sort of thing. So I, I definitely want to talk about that a bit just kind of later in the hour. One of the things that I liked about, about your book is that it's not just a long, 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 long list of misquotations, but you've organized them into several categories, kind of distinguishing one sort of misquotation from another from another. Would you mind telling our listeners how the book is laid out and organized and, and why you did it that way? 
Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to. As I was, you know, researching this many years ago, I, I noticed that there were those uh, quotations that were falsely attributed to Lewis. We know that he didn't write it. And then we know that, and, and sometimes we don't, who wrote it. And I can explain you know, some of the, the different things in that. And so that's what I call falsely attributed quotations. And then there are those that are uh, paraphrased. And then I guess in the book here, I, I first call the, the first category, not Lewis quotes. And then the, the second one of paraphrases as almost Lewis quotes. And then finally, I uh, call uh, the, cat the last category, not quite Lewis quotes uh, and such, but the Second one, the, the paraphrase, the, the almost Lewis, these are ones that someone paraphrased or summarized in oftentimes this is from a, an actual printed book, but then people didn't realize as well as maybe an, an article online, I, I, I guess I should say, since that, that is the case as well. And so people didn't notice that there were no quotation marks around it, you know, and then someone maybe set it up poorly. Uh, Lewis said somewhere that is a kind of a clue that it wasn't, these aren't the exact words. And so people just took that summary and it may be a decent one, but it's not his words. And then the, the out of context ones are the um, not quite uh, Lewis as the uh, category is, uh, is called is ones that isolate it. The quotation is not likely to mean exactly what the person thinks it might mean. And so you want to be cautionary about that. So in terms of just uh, examples of uh, the, uh, the first category, is the largest one to where uh, in my book originally I have 47 of them. There, there are 75 quotations that I cover overall. And so an example of that is getting over a painful experience is much like crossing monkey bars, let go to move on. Now that one, yeah. if anyone has read Lewis, they probably <laughs> know that is definitely not, that's a falsely attributed quotations to Lewis. And then my, the second category, the, the almost Lewis or the, the paraphrase, this one that you know, if, if, if a new edition did come out, I would um, probably handle it, this one differently. I, I may actually put that one later because sometimes the paraphrases are good. Sometimes they're bad. In fact, I, I, I thought about considering like doing a rating to where if it was like, you know, 80% of it are Lewis's words, but mm. someone just did a poor job in remembering the quote. They were honestly trying to quote Lewis. One of the ones uh, could be, yeah, here we go. A children's story that can only be enjoyed by children is not a good children's story in the slightest. That's a decent paraphrase of what Lewis actually said, but it's not exactly what he said. And then in the, the final category, the out of context is uh, a good one that I uh, usually use as an example is do not let your happiness depend on something you may lose. And so that quote briefly is one where Lewis is actually paraphrasing another person. And so he is actually disagreeing with the statement and the sentiments behind it. And he elaborates it on in the four loves, you know, that's something you want to be very careful to quote or to note that it's not really Lewis. It's a paraphrase, him paraphrasing somebody else. So, so yeah, so the book is broken down like that. And so that's uh, just a, a brief examples, explore them as we uh, continue. You know, as, as you mentioned, the by far the most are in chapter one, the ones that are absolutely not Lewis, like the uh, like the one about the monkey bars, right? Which which I definitely <laughs> got a chuckle out of because, yeah, Lewis, there there were no monkey bars in, in Lewis's day that that at least that he would have, 
you know, been they, uh, right. That 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 wasn't a common expression for right. Lewis. Yeah. Uh, another one that I really like uh, from the absolutely not Lewis. Have no idea where we got this, or or maybe you know, often you do track it down to figure out where we got it from. Wherever it was, it was not Lewis. Was uh, the nineteenth of of these uh, misquotations? Be weird. Be random. Be who you are, because you never know who would love the person you hide. Which was posted on a C.S. Lewis fan site, but was taken from, I believe, Toby Mac's official Facebook account, who, Mm -hmm. like, they were misquoting it as being from C.S. Lewis. Is that right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. They shared it with uh, his name on it. You know, you can kind of understand. I mean, any uh, musician or artist, they're they're very creative. And so that kind of quote would resonate with them. And then it's kind of an added bonus if someone famous said it. But in this case, Lewis didn't. We are not quite sure, you know, who actually originated it. But then, you know, uh, people create a meme and then others will just share it, even recreate a meme of their own and then not realize that that's not who said it. Yeah. Yeah. There are so many of those here. And some of them, some of them, I'm kind of like, yeah, I'd probably be, you know, fooled by that. A lot of them, I'm sort of like, this is not Lewis's voice at all. It's not, it's not his tone. It's not the way he speaks. My goodness. God bless you for tracking down the origins of so many of these. Did that ever feel tedious? Like, were, were the, was it ever, or, or was it just kind of fun to figure out where some of these quotes originated from? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like detective work, uh, you know, solving a mystery and, and such. And so um, I do love a good mystery, so to speak. And, um, you know, there are, are ones that we'll uh, probably note later in terms of, you know, from the Bible. Before I was tracking down Lewis quotes, I was well aware of various expressions attributed to the Bible that aren't there. And so I already had a kind of a, a inclination to gravitate towards this kind of topic. And then, uh, you know, and initially when there wasn't as many digital versions available, now pretty much everything is available and even things that weren't officially available, I was able to get digital copies of. So while I, I never have had one single like database to uh, search, it can, it can take me a little bit of time. But um, one of the things that I actually do in terms of confirming whether a quote is by Lewis or not is to see what is actually out there in terms of who might it be attributed to. Now, of course, initially, you will often see a lot of fake ones, or you're not really sure. And so I actually do a Google search before searching through, although I do have some large groups, like 30 or more books that I can search together, as well as uh, some different uh, quote books by Lewis, just to kind of rule it out and stuff. But uh, yeah, it, it can be fairly tedious, but it, uh, it's, you know, solving the mystery is uh, something that I uh, like to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and it's a lot like some some of the places that you end up, you know, finding these quotes originating is it's just so interesting. Um, like the like the Ryan Seacrest quote at the top. Yeah, and, and quite a few others. It's fun to kind of read how they somehow ended up being attributed to C.S. Lewis and, and, and where they came from and how you figured out um, where they came from. This is a pretty extensive list. Were you at the time that you wrote this? Were you completely exhaustive in your using of C.S. Lewis quotes, or did you just kind of tend to put down the ones that are most frequently, you know, misquoted? No, yeah. At at the time, I thought I had exhausted every one because originally this book was going to be not just on misquotes, but misquotes and misunderstandings about Lewis. So it was going to be, you know, a book in, in two parts. And then 
I noticed that the list of misquotes was uh, growing. And so that was a major factor in just focusing in on that. Now, of course, ironically, even within six months after people would like either share other ones that they wondered about and stuff, uh, but there probably are close to 75 more that could, could go in the book. But at the time, those were all that I was aware of. Um, you know, there's not that many though, that are probably brand new since the book per se, there are some, uh, there's several lengthy passages dealing with screw tape that came out around the pandemic that we may or may not talk about, but people can find it when they go to my uh, website, or if you look up fake, uh, screw tape quotes, that probably will give you a Google result with me in it and my research that is, but, but yeah, at the time it was, uh, what I considered to be, there's no more, but there is. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to keep up the internet, right? There's just a constant steady stream of misinformation being generated 24-7. What were some of your favorite quotes to research? Um, either either because the results surprised you or because they were funny or, or something else? This is kind of like, you know, what's a favorite, uh, which is your favorite Narnia book? It, it's probably the one that you're reading right now currently or the, the most recent one or, or your favorite Lewis book and such. So I selected four that, that uh, kind of jumped out when I was browsing through the, the list from the book. One that's uh, fairly often uh, shared, uh, falsely attributed to Lewis, we actually know who actually wrote it, is one that says the following. Children are not a distraction from more important work. They are the most important work. And so uh, someone by the name of Dr. John Trainer, whom I've not met, he uh, actually is the originator of that. And I'm actually Facebook friends with him. And so he had proof, and, and I talk about it in the book and then in, in some of the articles, the pieces that I have online. But basically, he shared that expression when chatting with some friends back in uh, 2012. Now, you'll see Lewis's name attached to it, and which is interesting because he recognized that he wasn't really too great around children. Uh, he, he did appreciate them. And then uh, one that's uh, always shared with Lewis's name, but we definitely know this one who said it, and that is, it, it's a great quote. It's as follows. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Great quote. Uh, it does share the sentiments of Lewis, uh, unlike other falsely attributed quotes. This one does express thoughts that Lewis would agree with. He just didn't write it. We, we know that it is by a well-known author, Rick Warren, that I'm sure people have heard of. And it's in his book, The Purpose Driven Life, where he does quote Lewis several times. But if you look in his book, you'll see, despite the fact that he directly quotes and even sets up, he doesn't note that this was a Lewis thought, but there are several places where Lewis said something similar. He didn't say this exactly. So since we know like these two examples, we know who said them. Let's give the, the real authors the proper credit. Now, the, the next one that uh, I don't believe we, 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 we know the author of this one, it's the following. Life is too deep for words, so don't try to describe it. Just live it. <laughs> so that one jumped out when I was just browsing through because it's like, that's just like, life is too deep for words. So it's like, really? Uh, and, and Lewis did say some pithy things that uh, may be a little bit unconventional, but uh, he did not say that. And then uh, the, the last one that really stood out as kind of uh, interesting is, uh, or odd is, quote, 30 was so strange for me. I really had to come to terms with the fact that I am now a walking and talking adult. And so um, that one is, is not Lewis. So when I was looking for the author of, of this quote to see if we actually knew it, 
it was tracked down to uh, something in an interview by a, an actor that was uh, popular around the time it came out in uh, People magazine in 1996, uh, Matt Dillon. And so, uh, I, you know, someone was reading, you know, a People magazine and a Lewis uh, and a Lewis book at the same time. And uh, yeah, I don't know. Oh man! So, so yeah, yeah. So, uh, there are probably some other odd ones, uh, not necessarily as odd, but uh, in terms of like trying to stop these things from being shared is difficult. When like well-known people share them, uh, Tim Allen had a uh, TV show to where he actually shared a fake Lewis quote at the at the end of it, and so people can find <laughs> out about that in my book if they're if they're curious. So <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's crazy. Gosh, yeah. I mean, some of these. Um so much fun to read about and you know to a certain extent i've read a lot of lewis so it's kind of for some of these I, i'm just sort of at a loss as to how they could have attributed this to c.s lewis but for a lot of people the extent of their exposure to c.s lewis is you know is narnia um, and, and maybe even just the narnia films so so yeah I, I mean i guess this is something that simply simply can happen but uh yeah so strange I think my favorite chapter in general from this was chapter three because you, I mean, chapter one is a lot of fun, but chapter three, I think you do a great job clarifying the context of a lot of the quotes when Lewis is, is kind of quoted out of context. And I think my favorite quote from that is the uh, make your choice adventurous stranger. Uh-huh. And they and they end the quote there, and it's the it's the plaque in Charn that tempts Diggory to ring the bell and wake up Jadis, the white you know who becomes the White Queen in in Narnia in the Light and the Witch in the Wardrobe. So it's clearly not a good proverb to you know <laughs> heed and and obey. But yeah, someone just kind of quoting you know quoting make your choice adventurous stranger as though C.S. Lewis said it and was endorsing that. It's 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 a lot of fun. It's also you know it's also too bad. Yeah yeah yeah. That is what, and in fact uh, also w- one of the ones uh, that uh, is is quite common is the couple uh, quotes over uh, on page eighty three in the book. It's um it's a quote that Lewis wrote to somebody dealing with the Bible. Let me just maybe briefly share it. It says, it is Christ himself, not the Bible, who is the true word of God. The Bible read in the right spirit and with the guidance of good teachers will bring us to him. Nothing wrong with that statement. Uh, People within theology may pick it apart or analyze it. So, well, Lewis is leaving out this or what about that? Well, that is part of a letter and his collected letters were things that was never intended to be published. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, had he you know, written a article about that topic? In fact, there are other things that, that he did say and, and such, but, um, but that is a little bit too concise. But for the person he was writing to, it was meant to be helpful, but uh, just by itself. And in fact, uh, I think uh, this is the one, yeah, where there's a, uh, there's a lot that it skips over in the actual letter, which I do uh, share in, in the book. So it's uh, rather interesting, you know, with the context issues and such to where uh, people aren't really paying too close attention and they uh, need to. And so to, and to be careful about just saying Lewis said it without understanding what the context is and if it could be misunderstood. 
I do, however, think that the end of that, of the longer version of the quote that you share, we must not use the Bible as a sort of encyclopedia out of which texts can be taken for use as weapons, is really germane to what this book is about, right? <laughs> this, is, this is something that we, that we often kind of do. Uh, we, we find a quote, we find, and, and as you note in the introduction to the book, um, Lewis was so good at generating quotable sayings um, because of authors such as Johnson that he'd been steeped in, right, who were, were also very quotable. It's hard not to use Lewis in this way. So I want to take this conversation in, in another direction, just kind of talking about the tendency to quote in, in general, because this is just a really fascinating topic. I mean, I've, I've done a little bit, a little bit of work with proverbs and wisdom literature and things like that in medieval texts. And there are some really interesting connections here, uh, just in terms of the way people, people use uh, quotations in, in general. Now, you say that people love quotes because quotes give them the soundbite that confirms something they already believe which I think is really, really sound. To what extent is this tendency just human nature and, uh, and, and therefore like, well, we're, we're human. Of course we use quotes this way. Uh, and to what extent do you think it needs to be checked or, or pushed back against? Well, I mean, yeah, there, there is a, 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 one aspect uh, we haven't maybe touched on in that is, you know, we don't want to be, I, I guess, the, you know, a, a, an expression to, to borrow, twist, adapt an expression. You know, there are people that are like advocates for uh, wearing helmets if you, you know, ride a motorcycle or, or, or riding a bike. I guess we should maybe, for, for this example that I'm using, talk about motorcycles because I guess maybe in some states it's a law and whatnot. I don't, I don't, I don't ride a motorcycle, but, you know, the, the expression is to be helmet Nazis. So I, I don't want to be a quote Nazi per se in terms of, you know, with Lewis and just kind of like jump all over people if they misquote him. I don't want to come across that way. And so, you know, in one sense, what, what you're asking about doesn't deal with that, but it, it makes me think of that as well. But yeah, what, what you're uh, sharing in terms of quoting me very correctly, by the way, thank you for quoting me correctly. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. Uh, is the, um, you know, confirmation bias th th that we have. And so when I see a, a quote and it's attributed to, to Einstein and it's like, oh yeah, I, I believe that. And Einstein said it. So, wow, you know, I'm going to share that. Uh, let's see, don't misquote me. I can't remember if I shared this in the book, but like, like one of the things I think Einstein is attributed to, and this would be more of the context issue is uh, something about God doesn't play dice. So that's, that's a likely to be a paraphrase, but in terms of what he actually meant and what that says and people agree or disagree with, but then his perspective of God is not what you would consider traditional Christian faith and, and whatnot. So when you're quoting like someone who is on the other side to prove a point, but then they have other things to say. And so, so yeah, I mean, we uh, do have a, a bias to where what we already believe then we'll use for ammunition per se, or maybe we just enjoy it and whatnot. So it can de depend on the person, but I think we do need to be, be careful. It is human nature to do that, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's a good thing. I know like for me, even with like other people that are associated in, in uh, Lewis's circle, not necessarily people that were alive, but you know, uh, during the same time, but some that were like with uh, uh, Tolkien or uh, Chester or, or McDonald, I don't have a, the best working knowledge of those works. And so I'll, I'll see a quote attributed to them online. And it's like, oh, 
I'm not going to share it because I don't know if it is or not. So that may be for me is swinging the pendulum too far and, you know, let someone correct it. Or one of the things that I advocate like with Lewis is, you know, take the time, even though doing a search may give you a bunch of false results. If it at least leaves you doubt that he may not have said it, then don't share it. But yeah, there, there's that confirmation bias uh, that, that's out there that we need to uh, be uh, careful of. Yeah, that's great. And yeah, you're right to say, you know, this this seems to be a human tendency, but we we need to check many of our human tendencies uh, because they, they lead to, to carelessness. How has the internet complicated, maybe amplified this tendency as, as well as generally the way we use books and great authors? Right. Yeah, well, definitely, you know, the internet has changed the way we use the books and, and great authors. And, you know, while the internet can be used for good, it definitely, you know, as, as we've talked about to some extent here, it's made the problem worse. Because I mean, for one thing, like would have been unrealistic for, for me to think that since coming out with my book in 2018, that was going to stop all the misquotes. You know, I, I didn't have any false uh, aspirations of that, but you know, I'm, I'm saddened by how much, uh, you know, I, I will oftentimes uh, look like on, on uh, Twitter and, and do a search for hashtag uh, CS Lewis. Not, not everyone hashtags the quotes for Lewis, but those that do on any given day, you will find more than 50% of, of things that he, he didn't say. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that have been covered in my book. Uh, and so, you know, s- someone can share, a, you know, a fake Lewis quote, and it can be liked and shared by hundreds or thousands before you know, anyone questions it. And so it, it's like a very old commercial that um, if listeners are in their 50s or older, will probably remember about a shampoo product. I forget what it was, but it's you tell two friends and they tell two friends and so on and so on. And it multiplies. For super body, super shine and super fresh smelling hair, get the one and only Fabergé organic shampoo. You'll tell two friends and they'll tell two friends. Now you got it. And so on and so on and so on. Fabergé organic shampoo and conditioner with pure wheat germ oil and honey. And so that's it, it does a, a lot faster than the old shampoo commercial, but <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's uh, it has complicated things. I occasionally, like I said, look at proverbs and, and medieval texts, and I, I, you know, I do notice that big names seem to kind of attract pithy sayings, right? Because you want more than just a pithy saying, even if it's really catchy, right? Um, you you want to attribute it to someone who has ethos and who has weight. You have a ton of proverbs attributed to King Alfred in the Middle English period, actually, you know, and, and then of course we we have the proverbs of Solomon that tend to get attributed to Solomon, although like whether Solomon actually ever spoke some of them, right, is, is another question. So there, there's already this, this tendency and the internet just seems to have, I guess, allowed us to do this a lot faster. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it, it's not just the internet's fault. I, I don't think anyone is going to think that we're, we're, we're saying that because b- before the internet, there was, you know, authors uh, are things that have been, you know, hundreds of years old or, or maybe even not quite that old. In fact, the example I'm going to give comes from a book that's titled nice guys finish seven and, and, <laughs> and, and our listeners are going what no 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 it's nice guys finish 
last. Well, I'm, I'm going on memory, but that is the name of a book that Ralph Keyes, and I think he's one of the ones that have actually written a couple books dealing with misquotes, but, it, and, and you know, don't quote me on this, right? But uh, going by memory, the way this quote morphed was he said something like, nice guys finished seventh. And because it was uh, a division in a sport to where seventh was last. And so that's what he said, but then it morphed into nice guys finished last because that was better. It, it sounded more, more, mm -hmm. more, uh, pithy and stuff. So, um, that's how sometimes for, you know, older ones, or this is like within the last, I guess now 80 years or so, but, uh, but for one, for even older authors or like someone less famous said it, but then he gets attributed to someone like Benjamin Franklin and he didn't say it. He may have shared it and popularized something is, is also what happens with, um, you know, other, other authors, but, uh, it's interesting how these things uh, do happen. Absolutely. Do you, th do you think just to be devil's advocate for, for a bit, should we simply avoid quoting C.S. Lewis for fear it's misquotation? We don't have the searchable works of C.S. Lewis at our fingertips and we come across something that, we're, and we're like, that's really inspiring. Um, and I don't want to just pretend like it's me, but at the same time, maybe I don't have the, you know, ability to search everything he's ever written and make sure that it's him. How can we make sure that Lewis actually said it? How can we make sure we're quoting responsibly? We, we don't want people to be paranoid. I don't want to be considered like a, a quote Nazi and, and things like that. But I think people should be, should, should think twice. When I saw you have this as, as a draft for a question, it made me think of a less well-known quote book that is a collection of Lewis quotes, I guess is a, is, is a better way of saying it. It, I think when it came out in the UK, but uh, the, the title of it is to quote C.S. Lewis. And mm. uh, a, a few months ago, when I was picking up uh, my copy, I looked at it and I thought, well, if I come out with a, a sequel, not necessarily a revised book of the book we're talking about, but if I came out a sequel talking about it, or, or maybe a article online, I would borrow this title or adapt it to, as, as the following to quote C.S. Lewis is a dangerous thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, all, all joking aside, you know, there are other great quote books out there. And so, I mean, you know, it, if they enjoy something that Lewis said and they have a tendency to share them, they should try to, to uh, track it down. So I'm thinking of there are a few places that share Lewis quotes and that have been doing it longer than I started doing my stuff, which was around uh, 2010, they are still uh, have some that Lewis didn't write. And so, you know, people like that should take the time and try to figure out, I mean, people can contact me online and they can, you know, I've got some different Facebook groups dealing with the topic and stuff. And so people can reach out to me. But one of the things I think I alluded to earlier was, you know, learn some basic search skills on the internet and just see if there's a question that this may not have been said by Lewis or by another author. But, um, you know, we don't want, want you know people to have anxiety over over this, but we want them to try to be careful and to be more more aware of uh, what they're doing and uh, you know the, the impact that it could have. Yeah, to some extent, this is a tendency of our age because we do read less, and many people know the works of C.S. Lewis mainly through out of context memes. To what extent would you say this is also true of most people's knowledge of the Bible and Christianity? And if this is a problem, what do we do about it? Yeah, well, this made me, makes me think about having noticed things from years before about about the Bible that people were falsely attributing to the Bible. One of the most common ones is God helps those who help themselves. I, I don't have anything in front of me, nor, nor have I tried to track down where that came from, but it's probably some well-meaning person trying to paraphrase some aspect of the Bible. The purpose of bringing it up is not to debate that one back and forth, because some people could say, oh, well, you know, if, you, if you're needing a job, you know, you need to go out and look for it. 
God's not going to help you. So you've got to help yourself. Yeah, I can understand that. But then it's like, also you're, you're helpless and you can't do anything without God's strength. So, you know, you could say then that that's, that's a false statement. Likewise, not accurate, but almost accurate is money is the root of all evil. It's not money is the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. That one, when I was preparing some stuff years ago before my book, I think I tracked that one down. Maybe it came before because it wouldn't have maybe showed up, but I was watching an old episode of The Monkees. They had a plaque on the wall that said, money is the root of all evil. And so obviously it would have had to have originated before then, but I think it was popularized probably from that because, you know, who doesn't get influenced by TV or movies and stuff that, that are said there. And But yeah, one, uh, one other quote in terms of the Bible that's classic is in Proverbs 23, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, that can lead to a side discussion about translation, because depending on the translation, that is rendered somewhat differently in, in various translations for various reasons, which is, again, beyond the scope. But when you look just in context, regardless of the translation, it's not talking about whatever you believe you can achieve, but it's talking about if someone is nice to you, they may be nice to you because they're trying to get something out of you because as they think in their heart, so are they, you don't necessarily know mm -hmm. why they're doing something, but, uh, but yeah, so there, there, it is a problem. And, uh, I think it, you know, it needs to, uh, you know, be, be dealt with in terms of like with, with the Bible and Christianity, a simple solution is, uh, people need to take time to read the Bible. <laughs> I mean, it's, maybe that's beyond obvious, but, uh, it, it's so sad that many uh, Christians don't. Yeah. I mean, this is something that I feel deeply as a professor within a major that has gone from being one of the most popular majors in the mid to late 20th century to being one of the least popular majors, the English, you know, and, and combined with that literature major. Um, and part of it is pragmatism. People want to major in things that seem more likely to get them a job. Although I will just say, if you are an English major, you have awesome soft skills that can transfer to a bunch of different jobs, but that's neither here nor there. But, um, a big part of it is that people just don't like to read anymore. People people read as a whole less. Uh, they're more distracted. Uh, there are more alternatives to reading. I really am at a loss as to what we should do, especially as Christians, about this. I mean, granted, you know, Christianity was developed by very literate people, but for populace that was largely unlettered, right? People who who generally did not know how to read, and in the Middle Ages would would have people teach them well or not so well is another question. This seems to be a problem, at least especially for, for Protestants, you know, who a very big part of what we think Christianity should be about is reading the Bible yourself mm -hmm. and, and, and certainly, you know, listening to good teaching and things like that as well. But this seems to be something that's, that's done less and less. Do we try to spread the gospel through other means and, and, and essentially kind of cater to this tendency that, that people have in order to get the gospel out there? Uh, or do we say, no, 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 let's, let's get you literate 
first. Let's let's try to reduce the distractions, right, or the things that are that are taking you away from being able to read well, and, and that way you are more likely to handle the truth well. Should we try to combat this cultural trend, or should we see how we can work around it to to sort of preach the gospel to as many people as possible? Yeah, well, I don't know that it it doesn't have to be a either or. Some different thoughts uh, coming to my mind is is the fact that I don't have the scripture in front of me. I, I do believe in memorizing scripture, and I do have quite a bit memorized, but where Paul talks about, uh, I've become all things to all people you know, in terms of re- reaching them. Now, when you look at, and I have recently done more study in the book of, of Galatians, he didn't take that approach to them. He was like, what is going on? <laughs> <laughs> it was like, he was like, if he, if he was there in the same room with the person. And of course, these were people in, in the Galatians that he was close to. So, you know, a total stranger, you wouldn't walk up and shake them like, what are you believing? But anyway, but uh, all that to also say back in the 80s, uh, there was the the struggle with or not the struggle, but and and, and still today, you know, can God use rock music being a person that worked in radio in on the Christian side, you know, there, there were those that, oh, no, God can't use rock music or someone who came out of a rock and roll lifestyle. If they hear rock music, it could be a stumbling block. Well, then that person should be aware and to not go into that if it's going to be be tempting. So in, in other words, I think, you know, every appropriate uh, available means can be used. One of the things like on my personal Facebook, you know, I share a lot of funny, silly things that I've seen from other places, but every morning I get up and I, and I look at the, the, the one of the Bible apps for the verse of the day. And if not that one, then another one I'll share. And so a very softball approach in terms of b- being a witness in, you know, in that way, you know, or I, you know, I, I could on my account just be some hard nose, you know, you need to stop using the internet and read more. And where, where am I saying it on the internet? You know, so <laughs> yeah, there. yeah, but, but anyway, but yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, th- this is a topic that can be its own, um, you know, yeah. show or yeah. and whatnot, but yeah, just some preliminary thoughts in terms of just, you can use various different means, uh, because it's like, while it's great for people to be missionaries and go off into foreign lands and that's well needed. I know recently I heard someone praying that politicians would, you know, come to Christ. Well, how about we have people who are already Christians go into politics, you know? So, you know, the, the salt and light. But that's a lot of different things that uh, that could be tangents there, but I hope I addressed what you're uh, asking. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I, I appreciate your thoughts. And I appreciate your time. Are, are you working on anything else at the moment that you'd like listeners to know about just before we wrap up? I, I did mention something that I'm doing on my YouTube channel, a series called Weekly Dose of C.S. Lewis Quotes. But I would encourage people since that's a current thing I'm doing. And then behind the scenes or just a, another project, something I'm calling the working title is concise guide to the works of C.S. Lewis. And so while there's other great things out there, like Walter Hooper's done an exhaustive thing, this book that I'm envisioning would look at all of the major books by Lewis, but each of his major works, and then have essentially two to three page summary of each of the books. And so someone who knows one part of Lewis, you know, the fiction side, but doesn't know the other, 
here would be a nice quick stop guide to all of Lewis's books in a nice, concise way, as the working title is. That sounds great. I'd love to have you back on the show once you've done that. William O'Flaherty's book is The Misquotable C.S. Lewis, What He Didn't Say, What He Actually Said, and Why It Matters. And thank you again, William, for, for coming on the show. Thank you very much for having me. All right. Well, we'll see you all next time. encounter full of joy unscheduled on the Geeson fan with here an addict of Tolkien there a Charles Williams fan <laughs>